Hey everyone, I'm Tom Hoare. I'm the Deputy Chief Communications Officer here at BNY Mellon, and I want to welcome you and thank you for joining us for this latest episode of our BNY Mellon Perspectives podcast series, where in times of common crisis, we bring to you the leaders and influencers who are making an impact in our financial world, in our industry, and beyond. We've got a really cool episode for you today. We wanted to share with you a really insightful conversation that took place just a few weeks ago at this year's Cybos conference. Now, a little bit of background. For those that don't know, Cybos is a very prominent annual meeting in our industry. It's organized by SWIFT, a worldwide network that is used by banks like us and other financial institutions to quickly, accurately, and securely send and receive information. Critical information for both institutions and consumers alike, such as bank payments. We're, of course, a member of the SWIFT network and have been a long-time active supporter of the Cybos conference. This year's Cybos event was virtual, like so many other events around the world but we still had a really strong presence there. And our participation at this year's conference was anchored by a really interesting conversation between two CEOs. Todd Gibbons, the CEO of BNY Mellon, our very own leader, had a really interesting dialogue and conversation with Satya Nadella, the CEO of Microsoft. Now, BNY Mellon and Microsoft were doing a lot together, and this conversation touches on a range of topics. It touches on everything from leadership to innovation to the future of the world post-COVID and even how to think about culture, how to think about constantly renewing and reinventing a culture in the way that Satya and his team at Microsoft are doing with a growth mindset. I think you're really gonna enjoy this conversation, so let's get to it. And as always, we want your feedback. Listen, rate, review, tell us what you think on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. We do wanna hear from you. You can also find us on social media, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram. Tell us what you think. Tell us about topics you might want to hear about or guests you might want to hear from, and we'll incorporate your feedback as we go forward. Enjoy the conversation, and we'll see you on the next episode. Hello, everyone. It's great to be with you, uh, even if it is virtual. Uh, We're going to use our time today to discuss how technology is poised to change financial services in the coming years and uh, how to approach transformation and ultimately achieve uh, what will be, what should be sustainable results. And I'm very pleased that Sachin Nadella from Microsoft is here with us. He's the perfect uh, partner to join us in this discussion. So Sasha, thanks for being here. Um, BMI Mellon has had a great partnership, uh, partnership with Microsoft for many years. We are an, in- an important transaction service provider to the tech industry more broadly. Uh, but our partnership with Microsoft encompasses, you know, support for their servicing and management of their cash investments and their liquidity needs. And we have more recently partnered on helping clients manage their investment data. And we're pretty excited to talk about that. Uh, we're also one of the few big banks, one of the first uh, big banks to adopt uh, Microsoft 365. And we're now collaborating on a number of, initi- of initiatives that have um, expanded our ability to host data, leverage Microsoft's machine learning and AI tools, and provide analytics to our clients on Azure, uh, the the Microsoft's cloud. Our two companies have long histories uh, in their relative uh, relative industries, I should say, and uh, we've each had to reinvent ourselves a couple of times. And I'm kind of envious, uh, Sacha, of the remarkable success over the six years when you really did go through that uh, reinvention. My calculations show that you're up about 500% in in market cap, so, so quite impressive. So, with that, uh, let's get started. So, Sacha, I'll, I'll direct a, a question to you. Um, obviously, COVID-19 has changed our world in a lot of ways, and it's uh, certainly strengthened the, uh, the business case for digital. Uh, how mature do you see the financial services industry today 
compared to other industries as we uh, in utilizing technology? And how do you see this changing over the next decade? First of all, Todd, it's fantastic to be with you, uh, to have this discussion and to be at Cybos uh, virtually. Um, you know, it, in, in some sense, if you start to step back and say that um, this pandemic or this tail event, none of us, we didn't start 2020 thinking that uh, this is what we uh, had um, to uh, look forward to. And obviously, massive constraints um, and real uh, challenges in many, many fronts. There's a health crisis, there's an economic crisis, there's social unrest. So there's so many things going on. Uh, throughout the world. And in that context, I would say businesses have had to really dig deep, uh, both so that they could recover, first respond, recover, and then, of course, even reimagine core parts of how they do business, um, all in real time, right? It's not as if you can even say, let me compartmentalize. You have to sort of uh, literally do all of these things in parallel. Uh, in that context, uh, I think the digital technology to me uh, has become that one malleable resource we have had uh, that has helped us in some sense uh, continue operations. So even before we get to sort of some of the things that uh, are transformative, just from a resilience, I'm pretty stunned actually, Todd, with the level of economic productivity we as a global society have been able to maintain. Uh, with all these constraints. Uh, and so there's a bit of resilience requires digital tech. I think that realization now is wide, uh, widely understood. But it's also digital tech leading to transformation. You referenced even in our own partnership, if you look at it, you're rethinking how you think about your clients and your cluster, uh, client interactions and how you manage those relationships. Uh, we've had to do the same as well, uh, or how you yourself are delivering the products. In fact, we consume some of your products, uh, and that's now all delivered through SaaS and other mechanisms, which is completely different. So uh, I believe, uh, and also, even, in fact, your own business continuity, right? So which is how you are able to adopt things like Teams and deploy broadly. So I think each of us is using tech to fundamentally build in more resilience into our core enterprise, as well as reimagine. And in that context, financial services is both advanced and has a little bit of a challenge because after all, most financial services firms have been big investors in tech. But one of the issues of tech is if you fall behind what is the efficient frontier, uh, then you have more of a hole to dig out of. And that's, I think, one of the challenges. In fact, you see that even between fintech and what is financial services. Uh, and you see even at the cost per transaction, if you start in the cloud, you will start with a very different footprint than if you start with a mainframe. Uh, and that idea that you need to sort of be pushing forward in spite of having all the IT spend, I would claim that financial services now needs to use this opportunity to move much more quickly uh, to the efficient frontier of technology. So maybe with that, uh, Todd, I can throw it to you because you are a participant in the industry. I get to sort of work with you and learn from you and many others. Uh, but I wonder what you make of all of this as far as even just the power of uh, digital technology as the financial sector transforms. Well, I, you know, I think you hit upon uh, some of the, you know, some of the key uh, key uh, messages. I think it's fundamentally changing. It's certainly going to transform how we look at disaster recovery in the future. It's obviously made us uh, far more uh, resilient. And, you know, when I think when I think uh, of ourselves, I mean, 
we're 236 years old and our business model and strategy have shifted over time and been much, much, obviously, even just in the past few years, much, much more technology dependent. I mean, just some examples, Sasha, the things that we do. I mean, we're the sole provider of U.S. Treasury security clearance. So our clients rely on us and the government relies on us to be extraordinarily resilient and efficient. And we were able to do that flawlessly uh, because of the investments in technology that we've made. Um, and as as we look out, I think it, it, with many businesses, scale is more critical than ever. Uh, and clients are recognizing that they need to outsource to take advantage of that scale. And I think I think we're seeing that across the the, the uh, financial services. And you alluded to some of the infrastructure stuff, but it's it's above and beyond that. I mean, it's applications and it's and it's the management of data. Um, I also think, and appropriately so, um, uh, client expectations around reliability, uh, transparency, uh, client experience—they're much higher than what we what we've uh, been used to. And I think institutional clients themselves, uh, you know, they've been they've been getting from us oftentimes what looks like pretty clunky stuff. And I think they want to look in the field that the consumer has now gotten used to in, in, in more modern times. And, and I think as we as we look out at machine learning and some of the stuff that we're doing with you, it's not only helping us get efficient, um, it's enabling solutions that we, we wouldn't have even imagined just, just a few years ago. I mean, one example of that is uh, we're able to uh, do a prediction uh, on the probability when a, when a trader executes a trade in the treasury market we can give them the probability that, that settlement might fail and what they might want to do to mitigate the implications of that. And then as you alluded to, COVID's already uh, really uh, advanced the need to uh, digitize. And I think if anything is is accelerating the trend, not, not just for us, but everybody in the industry. No, absolutely. Culture is fundamental to digital transformation. You've been, in, and you and I have talked about this and I really enjoyed listening uh, to your perspective on this. You've been on a significant culture transformation at Microsoft. What lessons have you learned and what advice might you have for me and my uh, my colleagues? One of the things, uh, Todd, you and I have talked and compared notes quite a bit on this. Uh, the way at least I've approached, um, you know, what does it mean to continuously refresh, renew uh, the company's culture and mission? Like, in fact, the two pillars I've focused a lot on is that sense of purpose of the firm uh, and then uh, that's the foundational why. Why do we exist even as a company? I mean, you talked about your 230 plus years of history. Like, why is it uh, that we exist as a company? And then what's the culture uh, that allows us to bring the very best uh, of what we can be to drive the company forward? There's a lot of the what in the middle, but the necessary conditions are the why and the how so that you can even get the what right. And so, uh, to me, uh, you know, having a sense of purpose, I mean, if you think about it, right, Microsoft was created in 75 uh, with the notion that software could be an interesting piece of technology so that we'll create some technology so that others can create more technology. We built the basic interpreter for the Altair. That was what Bill uh, and Paul created as their first product. And if you look at 2020, it turns out it's a much bigger market than what they imagined 75, which is we build technology so that BNY and all the others at Cybers can build more technology. Because after all, you have your own software capability and we wanna be an enabler of that. And so being in touch with that uh, mission, uh, renewing it, of course, the pattern, lots has changed since 75 in terms of the technology paradigm, but our core identity and purpose has not changed. So that has been very helpful. 
And then the other one on the culture side, uh, Todd, I distinctly remember in the late 90s, we got achieved a lot of success. And we at Microsoft thought it must be because we are brilliant. It turns out that we really got all achieved all that success because we learned, we listened to customers, we stayed focused on our mission. Uh, it's like from ancient uh, Greece to modern Silicon Valley, there's only one thing that brings down civilizations and companies, it's hubris. And so for us, that's why I think even uh, for me, uh, I was influenced by Carol Dweck's work on child psychology. Uh, so we adopted that growth mindset as the cultural meme. And it has been super helpful, Todd, to just even wake up each day and start not by preaching to others, by confronting my own fixed mindset. Uh, mm. And, be, you know, if you say you want to be a learning organization, you got to confront the mistakes you make and also acknowledge that you're not perfect. So those are the two cultural uh, and mission things that I think have been very, very helpful in our transformation. And maybe switching gears, Todd, uh, you know, talking about culture, uh, one of the other things we, is obviously that's super important for you and for me and every leader here to get right is how to ride some of the new paradigm shifts in the tech trends, right? So when I look at, you referenced even some of these, right? being on the efficient frontier of cloud infrastructure. If you're building anything new now, or even uh, replanting sort of some of the work you've done, you've got to be on the cloud and cloud native. You got to get your data in order. You've got to have large scale AI models like these new transformer models. And the list goes on and on and on. Uh, and it's exciting. Even you are recounting a lot of these uh, examples. I was wondering what you make of this, Todd. Like, I mean, how do you think about the core fundamental tech trends and their intersection uh, with what is happening in the financial sector? Yeah, uh, Sachi, I, I, th I think that, uh, boy, it's a, it's a big question. And I, I think there there's a lot going on underneath it. So um, for, first of all, uh, I would say, and, and I'm not even jumping to the cloud yet, but first of all, I think, COVID did accelerate some things, right? So, um, and 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 I think all of us have seen much more, uh, much quicker adoption of our uh, existing digital tools. So, you know, even some of the legacy stuff. So, whether it's our retail applications or the electronic delivery of data, but I think it just reinforced the need uh, to to digitize. Um, and and uh, and I think I think that's taking place uh, much much more uh, more quickly. Um, you even pointed out, you know, fintechs have the advantage. They get to start day one in, in the cloud. We don't. Uh, large banks have clearly been exploring, uh, but I think now we're taking more advantage of cloud services than ever. But we still have a lot of uh, a lot of legacy technology and technology debt that we that we're going to have to deal with. And that's not unique to I mean, to us. I think that's typical of any uh, of ma any major uh, major bank. And I think it's going to I think what as I see that it's forcing us to, to maintain the discipline and ultimately uh, make the investments and make sure that we put set aside the investments that are going to need uh, now to make us more efficient and more relevant as as we go go forward. Uh, and so at the at the um, uh, as you know, some specific things that we're doing and, and, and like I do think a, a, a number of us are starting to get more and more active in the cloud. We're the we're the largest manager of investment data in, in the world uh, by by a pretty uh, large margin, and it's a business that we've built over the last uh, 25 years. Some of it's software that our, our clients uh, that we sold to our clients. Some of it was hosted on our on our own infrastructure. 
and uh, we're partnering with you, as you know. And I think I think uh, working together here is going to be is going to be game changing. Uh, by using Azure, we provide the the platform for our clients to consolidate data from many providers. So it's not just if we're the custodian, but any mul multiple cu custodians. And they also have the ability to take in uh, third-party data, whether it's market information, and use the AI and machine uh, learning tools that uh, that you're able to provide them. Um, so that that's uh, that that's an amazing starting point. So we kind of alleviate um, the data management headaches that 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 our clients have, and we enrich what they can do with the data that we've got. So and that's not a core competency for for our clients. So. In addition to that, um, we're now that puts us in this wonderful position to build apps driven by the data. And I'll give you a couple of examples that we think are pretty neat. We we just started to offer uh, something we call distribution analytics to asset managers, and they can see what investors are buying and where they're buying that right down to the account level. And what that does is it enables them to design and target the distribution of investment products almost in real time. Um, so making them far more efficient uh, and, uh, and 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 really enhancing their profitability. And again, when you can do something like that, uh, you're really enhancing relationships. One of the other things that uh, that's pretty neat that we've built is a uh, is what we call it. It's an ESG app, and it uses multiple third-party data sources as well as some crowdsourcing that we're doing with the the clients that are on the app. So as they do deep researches on on clients' particular. ESG uh, uh, scores and strategies, it's shared and it's building up the data uh, more and more so they can get more and more granular and more accuracy in the in the data on, on, on ESG scores. And that's, I mean, it's, it's, it's something that's been uh, of, of significant interest in Europe, but it is a much faster growing trend, the interest in, uh, in ESG and resiliency that comes uh, comes along with that and, the, and and how well that investing does in the US and we're seeing that grow at a very rapid pace. You know, the other thing that we're doing along here is we're partnering with third party providers like you, uh, but we're with also other third party providers and fintechs uh, that oftentimes can be uh, more innovative and we're taking advantage of that and enabling them to distribute their apps more effectively on, on, our, on our platform. So uh, we view partnerships in this new world as, as extremely important. You know, when two firms come together like us and we merge technology and, and engineering capabilities as well as deep subject matter expertise, it's, it's, it's amazing what we can learn from each other and what we can do for, for our clients. So. I don't think there's any way we can kid ourselves that anybody can be all things to all people. So I think uh, one of the things we're going to continue to see is is more and more partnering and 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 more and more uh, merging of expertise. So um, I think we just have a a few more minutes, Sasha. And and uh, as we close, uh, can you talk about the long-term trends that you're seeing related to the future of work? I've always enjoyed going out to. Uh, to your offices and see what you're um, what you're projecting it to be, uh, but you know now more than ever I think that's uh, that's going to be important for all of us at this conference. Will we ever go back to the way things were, and is there a is there a new normal? No, absolutely, Charlie. In fact, just look to your previous set of comments as I was listening to you, there seems to be even a simple scorecard that, quite frankly, is relevant in financial services, but it's probably relevant across industries, right? If you think about what the way you described even the transformation is, can you be at the efficient frontier on the cost per transaction? So how can you use technology? 
so that your cost per transaction, so to speak, are coming down monotonically. Your predictive power and analytical power is going up because of data and AI. That's the second set of metrics that I think any organization can have. And then the experience, whether it's for your own employees on how they get work done or with your customers and partners. So how are you changing the workflow? Uh, and that sort of leads to even this question about what's the future of work. And we're doing the most at scale experiment ever. Uh, mm -hmm. of remote work in particular. And there are three things, uh, Todd, that stand out. One is how people collaborate. Uh, interestingly enough, you know, in financial services to a large degree and in our sectors, uh, people can work remotely, but the reality is we do depend on people who are going into manufacturing lines, first line health work, retail. And so one area of collaboration is with between people who are working remotely and people who are on the front line. So for example, even HoloLens and augmented reality and remote field assistance and so on have become massive uh, lifelines uh, for business continuity. So that's one area. The other one is even a product like Teams was built for collaboration so that it's not just about a video meeting. It's the work that happens before the meeting, during the meeting, and after the meeting. So a lot of the feature innovation needs to enable these workflows. A second area for us, which is a massive uh, uh, area of learning, is actually skilling and learning. Uh, because if you look at it, say somebody gets onboarded new into the bank, uh, how are they going to actually develop the connections and all of the institutional knowledge? And so you need to be able to incorporate the skilling, reskilling, and training right into the workflow. So a lot's happening. We've seen a massive surge in demand for things like LinkedIn Learning. But the idea of taking something like LinkedIn Learning or your own corporate learning and putting it right into Teams so that people can learn as they work, that's another major area of how I think work uh, changes. And the last uh, is well-being, uh, Todd. You know, as somebody described it to me, I don't know whether I'm working from home or sleeping at work. Uh, and it's a real challenge because I think some of the things we took for granted, transitions, uh, all of, and even how we depended on the social capital we had built up, uh, which we're now draining. So the idea that well-being matters and how do we ensure uh, like even, for example, there's a thing called video meeting fatigue. Uh, we, in fact, have done EEG studies which show that. Uh, so that's why we even invented this together mode so as to get rid of the grids so that we can actually sit across a each other in a conference table. And that changes, uh, in fact, even the mental fatigue. Uh, so a lot of innovation. I think we'll come out of this uh, with a lot of understanding of what truly drives productivity not just in the narrow sense, but inclusive of even our well-being. Uh, we're definitely not going to go back to the way the world was before, uh, but we're not also going to remain uh, the way it is today. So we're going to probably take the best of the two worlds and blend them appropriately. And the key word for me is flexibility, Todd. Uh, mm -hmm. One thing that we have learned is any dogma of any form, uh, or everybody needs to be in the workplace or everybody needs to be remote, is probably not going to work. Uh, we will now need to sort of really uh, have more flexibility and some of these digital tools for sure we're going to give us that. Can I follow up question to that, Sacha? So, I mean, you've had the advantage to speak to corporations around the world and leaders around the world. And as you look at this environment that we're operating and you talked about the video fatigue, and, and I know that we're all feeling it from time to time. I mean, we, we all had this surge in, in, in a lot of adrenaline and energy when we first got into this. Are you seeing time decay, you know, and 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 a, and a maybe a lull in productivity 
And uh, so I, I like the idea of putting the team around the table and getting us out of window panes and things like that, that might make it feel a little bit more uh, uh, like social interaction. Um, what, what, what's your read on, on productivity and where we are now? Yeah, and that is the question. So even in our own uh, side, like for example, take uh, for us software developers and their productivity is the lifeblood, right? So we measure it you know, a lot uh, and you look at all the metrics, they all look great and they look, I mean, to the far right and green as they can be. But I do have a little bit of uh, a doubt, which is how do you measure, for example, long-term innovation, right? Which is in some sense, you don't have real metrics for true innovation and invention. Uh, patents is one, uh, we look at that and say, it's harder to have the kind of serendipity uh, that may have existed uh, when people were brought together. Uh, and I'm not even saying, quite frankly, it's just about the workplace. It's even conferences, right? Some of the places where people would go to, right? A computer vision conference, people would come together, researcher from different places would get inspired. Uh, of course, things are happening virtually. Uh, people can uh, use that. Uh, like, you know, we are doing our big IT conference this week. More people from more parts of the world uh, are able to join. So I think there's something new. We don't yet know what that new is translating into true innovation. In the short term, I do see increases in productivity for knowledge workers. Uh, interestingly enough, the first line workers are able to stay more connected with some of the knowledge workers because some of these remote tools are being used. Uh, but I do worry about fatigue. I do worry about that social connection. Again, not something we've ever had great metrics on. Uh, like, after all, firms are about social capital. Uh, and how does one measure it? How does one, you know, know you're building back social capital? Uh, like, I, I am thinking about, like, what's a way for my own leadership team to come back together, maybe, uh, even physically, for a half a day, socially distance, uh, right. so that we can build back some of that capital? So those are, I think, places where we have, it's still unsolved. And I see many companies asking the same question. Yeah, no, it's it's a it's a it's a fascinating time. Before I let you go, can I ask you one last question? Because we, you know, this this we're talking about transformation, and ultimately, you really hit the you know for me the nail on the head here with the cultural change and this concept of going from I'll call it hubris to humble or to a learning organization. Can I just how'd you do it? <laughs> you know, doing. Every day starting with knowing that you've not done anything. I mean, I, I say that because in some sense, uh, having a consistent voice uh, starting at the top that we do need to change and we need to continuously change, right? So not even viewing it as, oh, some destination that we need to reach quickly uh, and really reinforcing uh, the need for continue, making the case, right? The thing is, we as human beings like to talk about change, except we want the other person to change. We don't want to change, right? I mean, that is human nature. And so starting with me being able to acknowledge that, look, I need to change. Here's the case for change. Staying on that drumbeat. Like, there's not a meeting, Todd. I mean, it's boring. Uh, for leaders, right, we all get bored with stuff we all have to sort of repeat. There's not a meeting I start which I, which doesn't reinforce our mission uh, or our culture. And uh, and quite frankly, it's not just, you know, it has to start at the top, but it's every person in the organization has to have that commitment 
Uh, and I do believe if I had to ask, if I had to sort of attribute this change, at least at Microsoft, if it was considered new dogma from a new CEO, whatever, six years ago, I think it wouldn't have gone far. I think this even the adoption of, to your point, this going from know-it-all to learn-it-all culture and uh, this growth mindset, I think speaks to everybody, right? It's not trademarked by Microsoft. Uh, it is about you becoming a better human being, a better parent, a better partner, a better coworker, a better friend even. And so that's why I think it's got some real legs in Microsoft. That, that, that's fantastic. Th you know, thanks thanks for uh, for ending with that, uh, Sachin. I really appreciate you, uh, you, you joining me uh, on this. I mean, you know, as we go through this, uh, the, the terrible situation that our world is facing, uh, it is an opportunity in many ways um, uh, to reset some aspects of, of how we uh, of how we work and work together. And, and I think ultimately um, the great companies will season that. And uh, certainly uh, you've helped us. Uh, you've helped us see some of that. So uh, th thanks a lot and, uh, and be well. Thank you so much, Todd. Thanks for the opportunity to join you today. Hey everyone, it's Tom Hoare again. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed that conversation in this latest episode of the BNY Mellon Perspectives podcast series. As I mentioned at the top of the show, we want your feedback. Share it with us. Listen, rate, review on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And you can, of course, also find us on social media, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram. Tell us what you think. Give us your ideas, topics you might want to hear about, guests you might want to hear from, and we'll incorporate them as we go forward. And you can always find us on our website at bnymellon.com. Thanks again for joining us and we'll see you on the next episode.